Hello, and welcome to episode four. Wasn't that so beautiful? (laughs) What I am referring to is the intro music to this podcast. My husband is the uh, producer of this podcast, and he is a brilliant musician, so thoughtful, and he feels music at such a deeper level than I do which I'm jealous of, but I also just love. I love to hear his thoughts on music, see how he feels music, and watch him make music. And he he really gave me a gift with this. I was thinking, well, you know, nothing was really coming to me as far as music for this podcast And I was like, well, maybe that's fitting because it's not your average music therapist. (laughs) So it'd be like hilarious if I didn't put any music to it. But something came to him when he was listening and editing the podcast. And so he wrote this beautiful intro and I heard it and I cried. So we both knew that it was right. Um, So thank you. Thank you so much, Greg, for writing such beautiful... um, music for this podcast and making it fit with who I am and what I'm talking about. So today, episode number four, I have wanted to talk with this, with you about this for a while and I'm excited to be here. I am purposefully having this podcast come out on Black Friday because it is a day of mass consumption It is a day where we are excited to get deals and where we fight in line for that big TV or something. You know, honestly, I've never been shopping on Black Friday, so I can't really give you the um, play-by-play of what it's like, but I always do have that feeling of like, oh, maybe I could get a deal this day. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that and how I'm a hypocrite, and the lifelong commitment to learning and growing, as well as some steps I've taken to live a more sustainable and environmentally friendly life. So as we get started, I wanted to tell you a little funny story that came to mind, because today, sometimes Greg and I like to, um, actually, usually it's me, I will have a pen in my hand and then look over at Greg and he's sitting next to me and I just decide like a teenager to like doodle on his arm. (laughs) So I will give him a temporary tattoo of my choosing for the day with um, my pen and something that he drew on me today was this evergreen tree with... um, this bottle of something spraying at the evergreen tree. And I have to tell you the story just because it's hilarious. Um, We are in the process of finding a new apartment. We're going to move in the next couple months. And I'm really excited because my younger brother is moving in with us. Um, It's just going to be such a fun time. And so we found a place and I looked through the, um, the lease information And because we've gotten screwed over in the past, I looked all through the info and the rules and 
everything you know that I'm signing my life away to just because in other apartments and other places there's been like hidden thing and then they charge you for it when you leave because you never really knew it was in there and it's just really frustrating so I specifically read through every single thing I took so long I read through it like probably four or five times and one of the things that I saw on there it was like one of the last, the very last things on the page on the lease. It was, you can have a, a Christmas tree in your apartment as long as you spray a flame retardant on it. <laughs> and for whatever reason, um, Greg and I just thought that was so hilarious. Like, I don't know about you. But I have never sprayed a flame retardant on a Christmas tree. I've always gotten um, real Christmas trees where we, my family and I, we would go out to a Christmas tree farm. We'd chop it down. We'd um, rope it onto the roof of our car. And we, we would just bring it in and put it in water and set it up and, you know, call it a day. But I hadn't heard about spraying a flame retardant on a Christmas tree on a beautiful evergreen tree until I read through this lease and I'm like you got to be kidding me like if you're if you're careful and you're conscious and you're aware and you don't light a candle by your tree if you celebrate a holiday where you bring a tree in the home and you don't you make sure that any wires that you have are not old and that there's nothing sparking, you're probably going to be okay. And I will say, I don't know anyone who has had a Christmas tree catch fire. So if you do, I apologize. This story might be causing you some, some very hard memories to think of or go through. So feel free to fast forward. But so I've never had that happen. And I've never even thought about spraying something on a tree like that. But that's what they suggest. And I'm like, you know what? I know a little about flame retardants because of this book that I had read a few years back. And they are not good. They are one of the highest toxic, highest um, like toxicity rating things out there. And so, not to mention, it's probably in an aerosol can. So I'm not really about to spray this thing all over my tree and then breathe it in, in my small little living room, just for the slim chance that it could catch fire because of my neglect or irresponsibility. So all that to say, it was a hilarious story, but I'm glad I know a little bit about what is toxic and what isn't so that I can make a conscious decision about using that flame retardant or not, because I most likely will not. And either I'll bring the tree into the apartment and break the rules and not use the flame retardant or just skip it altogether. But I thought it was hilarious because Greg drew this <laughs> flame retardant spraying this evergreen tree on my hand today. Beautiful. Thanks, Greg. So as we talk about 
um, toxic things and environmentalism and sustainability. And we have this conversation around stuff and things. I will be the first to say I am a hypocrite and it's taken me a long time to learn things and I'm still going to break the rules. (laughs) So, um, Yes, I am already thinking about Black Friday and there are there are a couple stores that I want to check out online to see what deals they have. So I'm the first one to say you know there's there's no perfect way to walk this road and be completely environmentally friendly and sustainable. It's just not possible. So I will put that sticker on my shirt saying I'm a hypocrite. So don't worry if you are too. I think this conversation is more about learning and then finding some actionable steps that you can take to make a difference in your life and in the world. And, you know, when when I think about other ways that I'm hypocritical, like, you know, I say that I recycle, but then there's times I don't recycle. And you know, I say that I only buy something if I need it. Well, there are so many times when I buy things because it's convenient. Like that little bag of chips from Seven <laughs> Eleven, Or, you know, I don't want to bring toxins into my home. But this one candle, probably highly toxic, is my favorite candle of all time. And I don't think I can live without it. So I weigh how much joy something brings me and if it's worth the environmental harm that it's causing um, or harm to my body that it's causing, like with the toxins and stuff. And I just have to weigh that, you know, life is about making decisions each step of the way. And so that candle brings me so much more joy than I care about saving the earth. which is probably not the best way to think about this, but YOLO, I guess. Um, And, you know, the other thing is I'm constantly learning and constantly growing. So it's not like I can do all of these things right away. It's not like I can make every change and be the best supporter of the environment that there is. Like, I just can't learn that quickly, nor do I have the money or capacity to get rid of things that quickly so that my life is completely toxin-free and environmentally friendly. So one of the ways that I am learning and growing um, is a few years back, I read this book and it completely opened my eyes. It was so staggering, the stories and the information that it had. And since that point, when I talk about books that have shaped me, I talk about that book. And I I actually did talk about this book a little bit on um, a podcast called The Books That Made Me by uh, Wendy, who's in Rochester. So go check out that podcast, little plug. (laughs) But yeah, this, this book really reshaped how I think about stuff and what I do with stuff 
in how I buy stuff and how I get rid of stuff. So let me just read this one quote to you. We have a problem with stuff. With just 5% of the world's population, we're consuming 30% of the world's resources and creating 30% of the world's waste. If everyone consumed at U.S. rates, we would need three to five planets. What? (laughs) Oh, man. Doesn't that hit you? Oof. It is, yeah. Not good. Not good at all. So the book that I'm talking about is called The Story of Stuff by Annie Leonard. And I believe she also made a documentary or a series of internet films. But it's called The Story of Stuff. How our obsession with stuff is trashing the planet, our communities, and our health. And a vision for change. So I love this book because she goes through statistics and stories and different countries and um, just the progression of these things that we accumulate. But then the last chapter, she talks about how we can change this, how we can change the trajectory of what our consumption is doing. You know, it's not a lost cause. There is hope. We can turn things around. But the first step is learning. And then once we learn, we grow and we change. So, so much of what she talked about, I had never thought about before. It was just not on my radar. So one of the things that I love about the book is there are some little illustrations. And so it takes you from extracting things, elements out of the earth to then make stuff. So using water and cutting down trees and digging for diamonds, she goes through all of that stuff and the cost associated with it and the people doing it. She um, goes all around and interviews people about what their job is and what it means and what it's like and how many resources we truly have on this planet and what's happening with them. And then when we chop these trees down to make paper or make um, clothing or make whatever it is, what happens to that land afterward? So she takes us from extracting to then, uh, I think she calls it producing, the production side of it. So taking those elements from the earth and then going into the factories and what that's all about and the energy that it takes to produce these things and the workers that it takes to produce these things and all of the gases that are being emitted because of these factories making these things. And she tells us stories about that and talks with people who are in those factories and talks about um, the the terrible wages that people are making and the essentially slave labor that's happening. And then she goes into our consumption. So consumerism, hello America. And you know what it's like for us to walk into a store and be able to 
buy this $5 pillow that's made out of all of these toxic materials and then we bring it home and we use it for a little bit and then we don't like the style anymore so then we just throw it out. So so extracting and then production and then consumerism and taking it into our home and into our spaces. And then the last thing is um, waste, how we dispose of things and what that looks like. Yeah, she talks about how much of the earth is taken up by just landfills and then what those landfills are doing to communities and to living, breathing human beings. It's just so bad. It's just so bad what's happening with all of this garbage that we are producing because we throw away things that we didn't care about in the first place. Yeah, she says, uh, this is on their website. This is our story. We have a problem with stuff. We have too much of it. Too much of this of it is toxic and we don't share it very well. But that's not the way things have to be. Oh, yes, there was. Um, so on their website, you can actually get a lot of resources. And one of them, if you've read the book or you're interested in talking about it with friends, there is um, a reading guide which is awesome. Like get a few friends together and do a little book club. I would join you with that because it's a book I don't have to read again because I take so long reading. Anyway, they have a little intro on here. So I'm going to read that. I think it might say some of the same things as what I just read. So introduction, where do our computers, soda cans, and t-shirts come from? Who and what was involved in their production? How far did they travel to reach us? And where will they go when we throw them away? Annie Leonard, creator of the internet film sensation, The Story of Stuff, takes readers on an epic journey around the world and back in time to understand our consumption-driven economy. Her conclusion is clear. We have too much stuff, too much of it is toxic, and we're not sharing it well. With staggering revelations about the economy, the environment, and cultures around the world, alongside stories from her own life and work, Leonard demonstrates that the drive for a growth-at-all-costs economy fuels a rampant expansion of production, consumption, and disposal that is jeopardizing our health, our happiness, and the very survival of the planet's ecosystems. Yet there is hope. Nearly every page offers alternatives and solutions that can stop the environmental damage, social injustice, and health hazards we face. Our system is in crisis, but this is not the way things have to be. And Annie Leonard shows us another way. So if that doesn't get you interested in the book, I don't know what will. (laughs) It's such a good intro. You know, one of my biggest takeaways from reading this book was that all of these things come down to convenience. Am I going to care about the earth or am I going to ignore it and just go on with my life not even thinking about it? I'm talking to a lot of music therapists on this podcast and we are so busy, whether it's doing our jobs, you know, going from home to home or room to room, facility to facility, providing music therapy services, or whether it's working on a business, 
and thinking up new ideas in our heads and trying to figure out a way to stay in this profession, we're busy. We're doing a lot. And it's, it's hard to pause and take a minute to think about things that are bigger than us. You know, it is more, it, it is easier to look the other way and not really think about these things and say, oh, if it's really a problem, the government will tell us about it. I think we've seen that that is not the case. <laughs> I think we've seen that it is our responsibility to learn for ourselves and for the greater good. I mean, think about it this way. We're music therapists and you don't have your teachers, your supervisors, or your patients or clients telling you what music to learn. That's up to you. And sure, you can look the other way and be like, oh, I'm just going to play this song. But then it's not really genuine music therapy, is it? It's not music and a musical experience catered to that client for their specific goals. It's just me as a trained musician playing music, playing whatever music I want. So it's kind of like that. It comes down to convenience. Am I going to spend the extra two hours this week learning this one song for this client for their goal? Or am I just going to play something I know that might work, kind of, but the other song's probably going to be better? So are we going to think about our world, the earth, the environment, and what we can do to help it? Are we going to turn the other way and just do what we've always done and not worry about it? I would urge you, and I tell myself, to (laughs) take the inconvenient road of having to take the time to think about these things, to take steps in order to provide better care, you know, like we do for our clients and what we can do for the earth too. So in our full episode of things not really having to do with music therapy, (laughs) I wanted to um, end by talking about some steps that I have taken along my journey to be more sustainable environmentally environmentally friendly and less toxic. Hopefully some of these things will be manageable for you to pick up or maybe you'll feel good because you're already doing some of these things. But um, here are some steps that may or may not help you in your own journey. And I'm talking about all of this stuff not to make you feel guilty not to make you have more of a to-do list or feel busier in your life because you're thinking about more things. But I wanted to talk about these things really just to get you thinking. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, I am the biggest hypocrite. So don't feel bad if you're not doing these things yet. This will maybe spark some ideas for you. Small ways that you can help the environment and help yourself too along the way. So my first step or my first um, idea is to buy local. We hear this buzzword all around like on Instagram and especially during the holidays when everyone's like, oh, shop small, buy local. But honestly, this is a great idea. So what we're doing when we buy local, 
we are supporting the local economy. So by buying something from a store down the road, you are supporting a real family that you know and you can see. Not only that, but you are avoiding the shipping costs and everything that goes along with shipping, the energy that it takes, the emissions that are going into the atmosphere, the cost that it takes for the the people to ship it and to package it and all of those things. There's so many hidden costs. And by buying local, you're actually paying the real price for something. I mean, closer to the real price than if you were to buy something and have it shipped to you. And what's really cool is, you know, I have this this favorite shop of mine downtown, Ritual Clay Company, and I know the owner. She's a beautiful person, a maker, a creator. I see her craftsmanship in the um, mugware that she makes and the um, displays that she puts together. She's such an artist. And so I'm supporting her. And okay, maybe her mugs, maybe... Um, Her candles or the notebooks that she has or some other things are a little pricier than what I could get on Amazon or, you know, at Target. But I'm supporting her. I'm supporting her family. I'm supporting the local economy. And I'm buying something that someone cared to create for me. It's it's such a beautiful process to do it like that. And, you know, I'm supporting her as a an artist. Yeah, I guess that's all I want to say. Buy local. <laughs> so the next step, the next idea I have for you is use up what you have. Something that we've started doing, and I will say this is more of a Greg thing than a Kim thing, <laughs> but we try our best to buy only the food that we will eat up before it goes bad. So what that means for us is buying our set of groceries every week, just once a week. Greg usually goes on Sunday nights and he gets all the produce, you know, any uh, protein that we need for the week that's fresh. And that's, that's how we do it. Maybe if you're really good at storing your produce in your fridge and you tend to it and care for it the way that it needs it best, you can go for two weeks. Um, but we usually find that things start getting uh, old and moldy and weird after like at least a week and a half. And of course, you know, do what you want when you stock up your food. But I think it's best that we use up, we eat up what we're actually buying for ourselves to eat instead of having all those things in the back of our fridge that are rotting and we have to just throw out and get rid of. Um and part of that too is we we never put things in the back of our fridge. Like you'll see if you ever come over, there's there are no containers, no bottles, nothing in the back of our fridge. Part of that is it's just the two of us living together. But part of the other part of that is that we don't buy that much food every week because we know we're not going to eat all of it if we do and we don't really hoard leftovers. We eat our leftovers the next day or two, maybe longer if it's like a soup or a chili or something, but that's about it. So hopefully that helps you 
think about how you buy your produce and eat it up in a timely manner. And then the other thing, talking about using up what you have, I I have a bad um, habit of buying a product to try it out. So let's say like a face cream. And then it's not my favorite. So then it stays on the shelf and I buy a new one. <laughs> so then after a while, I have like five, six different face creams. And I'm only using one at the time. But why did I buy all those extras? So I'm trying to change my habits. And I've been working on it for a few years to use up the first one before the second one. So I've gotten pretty good. Now I only have like maybe two or three like um, face creams at once. <laughs> working on it. And then the other thing is when we talk about our clothing Oh, there's, you know, like we live in this world of fast fashion and you've probably thought about it before and maybe you're someone who has tried a capsule wardrobe or something like that. I tried that once, didn't really last very long because soon after that I started working at a boutique, so bought a lot of clothes. But one thing that I think about when I buy clothing that I'm trying to think about more is is this something that is made of good quality, good materials that are non-toxic and that will last? Because so often these t-shirts that you buy or tops or pants or whatever are made so poorly, so cheaply, you know, because they're like, what, five bucks that after, you know, a few times of using it, you have a hole in it already. So then you want to get rid of it. So Let's curb that fast fashion by paying attention to what we buy and trying to buy high quality clothing, even if it costs a little more. If it costs a little more, it probably means it's going to last a little longer. And all of this also pertains to secondhand clothing, like thrifting. We should also, when we thrift, when we buy secondhand, it's not an excuse to buy at the same pace that we were buying just from any other store. But, you know, this is also an area where we should buy quality clothing that will last longer and something that we really love. You know, oftentimes I see something and I'm like, oh, that's cool. That would look good on me. Or I try it on. I'm like, oh, this looks good. But it's kind of like, oh, this looks good. It's not like, wow, this catches my eye. And I love something about Greg and his family is that when it comes to clothing, they buy things that catch their eyes. Um, whereas I just buy things like that I think might look good. <laughs> so there's a difference there. Greg's closet is full of unique pieces that he really loves that he wears all the time. My closet is full of a lot of things that I wear sometimes that I kind of like. <laughs> so I'm trying to turn that around for myself too, that I um, will only buy things that I really love and I really will wear and that I feel really good in. And part of this process too has been reading um, tidying, The, the Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. So that I actually read that book before I read this book, which was kind of a cool... Um, 
it was a cool process. It was a cool journey to go on those two books together. So the next step that I've taken and that I would encourage you to think about is um, go through the cycle of R's. So you probably know reduce, reuse, recycle, but now there's four R's, rethink, reuse, reduce, recycle. And after I go through those, I'm actually going to tell you a few more R's that they've, or some people have added to that. So in the four R's, the first one is rethink. So do I actually need this? Do I actually really want this? Will I actually find joy in this? Will this item be really practical and really fulfilling or joy filling for my life or not? You can answer that yourself. And Mari Kondo in The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up takes you through the process of figuring out how it feels to know if something sparks joy or not. It's like a really good skill. It's kind of like trusting your gut. And then the second one is reuse. So here are some things that I've switched over so that I'm reusing them. Um, One thing is glassware. So this is like um, the Pyrex that we have for our leftovers. And then the glass bottles that we have for refilling our hand soap and things like that. And then other thing for the the ladies listening or the um, the ladies that still have their periods, <laughs> a good switch to be more envir- environmentally friendly, more sustainable, and cut the cost of what we're spending on these items are using a menstrual cup um, or a washable pad. I have like a handful of those that I go through every month and I I just wash it right away. I rinse it out and wash it after I use it. And then I pop it into the laundry to wash it even more. But these are all ways to to buy one thing and then reuse it and reuse it and reuse it over years so that I'm not buying like something that probably we all have at this point, a reusable water bottle. You know, it doesn't make sense for us to buy these plastic water bottles all the time to then just throw them in the recycling or throw them out when we can just buy one water bottle, glass or stainless steel or ceramic, whatever. um, And then we use it forever. And the next one is reduce. So reducing the amount of waste that we're making. So we talked a little bit about using up what we have, um, not buying more than we need at any given time. And um, a huge thing is specifically reducing plastic. So like using a reusable water bottle, or if you have a lunch that you bring to work, don't use the plastic utensils that work has. Just bring one of your forks and spoons and knives or whatever from your kitchen drawer. That's what I do at least, like no one cares. And then little things like when you leave a room, turn off the light. Unless you're going to come back to the room right away, there's no use leaving the light on. You're just using energy that you don't have to. And then being conscious about the amount of water that we're using. You know, we don't need water running while we're brushing our teeth. We can turn it on, turn it off, brush our teeth, turn it back on, rinse, 
turn off. We don't have to just keep it running and running and running and running. One thing that Annie talks about in the book is how she wants to reframe our idea of water to see it as liquid gold because that's what it is. And we, we have an unlimited, or no, we have a limited amount of water on the earth. So we have to see it as this precious item that can that we can use up and, and we don't want to use it up. Hopefully we never use it up because that would be really bad. So yes, those are all ideas for reducing and then um, recycling. I love how in this four um, R cycles or th- this four, this grouping of four R's, um, this is the last one. So they're kind of saying after you've done all these other things, this should be your last resort. Don't have it be your first resort. And I would encourage you to check your local recycling program to see what they actually take. Because likely, like me, we are putting things in our recycling bins that um, aren't actually being recycled. And I've heard that sometimes um, the recycling plant will just throw out like one bin of recycling that has like even one or two items that they can't recycle. So it's really important that we recycle responsibly and intelligently and actually make sure that we're recycling the things that they take. In in the seven grouping of the R's that I found, the last three were refuse, repurpose, and rot. So I love this because, you know, we can add on to what we're doing. So refuse, like not buying that extra thing when you don't need it. I mean, we, I, I mentioned all these things already. Um, repurposing, I kind of look at that as um, a different way of recycling and a different way of reusing. So for instance, um, my friend was throwing out this cork board a few years back when she moved. And I was like, you know what? I'll take it. Don't just like throw it in the dumpster. I'll take it. And then I was like, okay, what can I do with this cork board? It's old. It's like starting to tear apart. And I went to our local, um, this was when I was, oh no, I was here in Rochester. So I must've had this beautiful paper that I got from the paper source. We don't have a paper source store here in Rochester, but there was one in Minneapolis when we were living there. And I bought this beautiful paper for like maybe six, seven, eight dollars. Um, handmade paper it has little gold flinting through it, and it's it was like a marble, bluish greenish, so beautiful. And what I did is I I put that paper on top of the cork board, and like I think I just used double sided tape. I taped it down and then I painted the corkboard frame around it black so it wasn't just this like old wood looking thing. And it, it turned into this beautiful piece of art that I've had in several different apartments now. And I love it. And people always look at it and they're like, wow, where'd you get that? And I'm like, honestly, it's a corkboard that I got for free that my friend was going to throw out. And I just repurposed it into this beautiful piece of art. So if you have um, any questions on repurposing something, you need ideas, hit me up. We also, I also have a um, 
craft and tea night that I host every once in a while, and I'm sure one of those very crafty people that joins the um, group would um, have an idea for you for repurposing an item. And then that third one or the seventh one is rot. So one of my favorite changes that we've made or additions that we've added on to our process of sustainability is composting. And it's one of those things that people think is gross. It's smelly. Sometimes worms are involved. It's just disgusting. But it doesn't have to be that bad. And it's not that bad for us. And thankfully, it's not that bad for us because we have a composting company in Rochester that takes care of it for us. So it's called Community Composting, and they have these beautiful bright green buckets that they give you. I think the first one costs $10, and then what you do is you fill up this bucket with all of your scraps, the eggshells, the um, ends of the broccoli that you don't like, um, the moldy bread, whatever it is, you know, that, that, and they give you like a list of what you can and can't compost. So you have to like pay attention, but it's a beautiful company where you fill up the bucket and then once the bucket's full, you can bring it back to them or have them pick it up. It just costs a little more, but when I bring it back to them, it's only like four bucks and it takes us like probably a good two to three weeks to fill up our bucket. We could probably stretch it a little more if we tried harder, pushed, <laughs> pushed the compost down a little more. Um, so they take the bucket, they take the, co- the compost, all the garbage, all the scraps, and then make it into compost and eventually into soil. And then the cool thing is um, in the, the springtime or early summer, they work with a local farm to produce these bags of soil that you can use then for your gardens, for your plants. And it's such a cool way to take our scraps full circle. Yeah, I, I would encourage you to look for a com- composting company in your area or look up easy ways to do it yourself at home. It's really not too hard. I have a few friends that have their own um, composting buckets or something at their home and they do it in their backyard or whatever. So yeah, composting is great and it really saves the earth from the gases that are produced when your food is rotting in a landfill. Yeah, so so all of the R's, rethink, reuse, reduce, recycle, refuse, repurpose, and rot. And one last thing I wanted to tell you about before we go, sorry, this is a long episode. Hopefully you got some chores done while you were listening, or maybe you listened to this on your drive. Um, But one other thing that we've done that has been like so helpful, especially when I have stuff that is like taking up space in my home, it's causing clutter and I just want it out, but I don't want to throw it out. And if I bring it to a thrift store, they might throw it out or... I don't know what's going to happen to it, and I just need it out. Um, I found this thing called the Buy Nothing Groups, and it's this group that consists of all your neighbors or whoever signs up for it in your neighborhood, and it's just this place where you put things up and say, does anyone want this? And someone 
says, yeah, I would love to take that off your hands. And then they come and pick it up. You leave it, you know, outside or you have a meeting location or something. And then they pick it up and they use it. And I've gotten so many things from these buy nothing groups and it's totally free. And oftentimes these things are like in perfect condition. It's just someone hasn't used it and they want to pass it along to the next person who might use it. So I've even gotten musical instruments off of this shakers and bells, a little mini guitar. So look on Facebook if you're on Facebook for the buy nothing groups or buy nothing group in your area. And I think you can find out what that area is on their website. Ah, wow. What an episode. Longest to date. And hopefully my episodes aren't this long um, consistently. I don't think they will be. There was just a lot in this this, um, episode. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed my flame retardant evergreen tree story. And... Uh, Don't worry about being a hypocrite because I'm a hypocrite too. But I think what's more important is that we set up this lifelong commitment to learn and to grow. And I hope out of all of my tips and tricks, you take at least one or two of those and apply it to your life. So I'd love to hear what you're doing to um, take steps to be more environmentally friendly more sustainable, and live a lower waste lifestyle. Let me know on Instagram if you want. The um, handle is at musictherapistpod. And I feel like we're all part of this pod now. (laughs) It's kind of a cool way of saying it. And I know this episode really had nothing to do with music therapy, but that's what makes me not the average music therapist. And that's what makes this podcast unique because it's a, I guess you can say it's a music therapist podcast, but we're not talking about music therapy today. And that, that's what makes us well-rounded people anyway. One more thing that I wanted to say that I really did not want to forget to talk about or to mention is that it's even more important, more than any of the small things that we do at home to vote for and elect officials who will fight for these things because those are the people that make the laws and those are the people who can make real change um, from a higher up place. So we can do everything that we can from home, but it's important to have lawmakers and officials who are going to set up requirements for how we care for the earth. Just like how plastic bands or plastic bags have been banned, that's what we need to keep doing. And and we need people who will speak up for those things in office at the our community level, at the state level, at the country level. So Yes, let's not forget to think about these things when we are voting for our officials. All right, friends, I'll see you soon.